0: all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another Kuk Audio podcast. I'm D.C. Bubav, Kuk Audio and Kuk Archives, doing our bit to help preserve the legacy of Shundu Suzuki and those whose paths cross his. And anything else that comes to mind? I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, free from economic hardship and able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So today we have a guest, Jake Fishman. Now, uh, Jake uh, came from Brooklyn, sort of grew up taking care of himself on the street, got in the Navy, which sent him to San Francisco. And somehow, when it's a three-year three, three year gig, he got an honorable discharge after one year. And then, you know, he's broke and everything and just sort of hustling. And then he starts going to the Art Institute. And I cannot tell you how many people in the early Zen Center Came to Zen Center through the San Francisco Art Institute. I discover new ones all the time. It was the San Francisco Art Institute Reed College. Uh, those so many came from those two, but by far the most the San Francisco Art Institute, especially early on. And now it's just it's just finally closed, uh, rather recently. Um, anyway. Uh, I'll tell you, when I first came to San Francisco in 66, I learned pretty quick, go to the Art Institute, sit up on the lawn, smoke pot, eat lunch. Uh, Cool people. Uh, Anyway, and I I found that, I remember in India, I was uh, walking around Benares University, and, uh, and, um, you know, I looked at the, you know, the religion study buildings and the this and that. And there were, you know, all classes and there was nothing for me to relate to. There were only two places I could relate there, the library and the art school. And um, the art institute was cool. So he came out of that and got into Zen Center. And, um, oh, there's one other thing I want to point out. And then I... I should probably with uh, other uh, podcasts. Is uh, uh, there's a page for Jake on cuke.com already. And there's an interview that I did with him 11 years ago. And there's a post from him or something he sent in 1998. So uh, you can check that out. You know, just go to. Uh, and write Jake, or write Fishman in the site search box, and you'll find it. So, uh, oh, hey, he talks about when he went to Sokoji the first time. He sat in the rafters. (laughs) That's a funny term. Uh, He means the balcony, which was above the big auditorium below. It's true. Uh, And there was a gaitan there, an outside sitting area for uh, overflow or for people who were late after Zazen had started. And that's where he got his uh, Zazen instruction from Suzuki Roshi. And uh, he's been living in the same building now, a big old white building, a catty corner from Zen Center on that big block across the street for 40 years. Uh, so anyway, that gives you a little synopsis of some of what he says. Uh, and, um, uh, there's sound problems, it, 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 especially, uh, like er, er, earlier on, uh, I, I know at one point early on, I called him back and we still had sort of a sound problem and I should have done something about it because it was kept cutting out and, you know, we couldn't go but I spent a lot of time going over this and eliminating, uh, some of the problems. Uh, But anyway, probably should be redone, but we're not going to redo it. At one point in the um, podcast, Jake talks about how he got permission to take photos in the Zendo while we were sitting in That's very unusual. And that's when I was head monk. So, uh, um, those um, you can you can go those are all on uh, shunyusuzuki.com now you can go to uh, uh, uh the photo page or to the Jack, Jake Fishman page you know just search for it in the site search box um, and um, or you can go to shunyusuzuki.com and Search photos for uh, uh, Jake Fishman. That, but that would be a little more complicated. Anyway, they're great. You know, there's 30 of them or something, 32 of them or something. And they're really good, especially the ones with me in them. No, just kidding. Um, so, um, so um, here's a bit of history, Jake Fishman. So, when you hear the bell. If you're of such a mind, hit pause and meditate or whatever for as long as you wish. And when you're ready to end the meditation or whatever, hit unpause and we'll be there to hit the bell and end the meditation and bring you back. To hit the bell and bring you back and we'll give a Jake Fishman, a call. Hello. Jake, how are you doing? Good. Hi, David. Yeah. Nice to hear you. Yeah. So, where are you now? I'm in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've been
1: for, well, i had this place for over 40 years. No kidding. Where, where, Where is it? It's near Zen Center. It's, uh, remember that building on uh, Buchanan Street? It's a big white.
0: Oh yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, I got a, a, a nice big apartment here years ago, and uh, it's been under rent control. Hmm. So I've been here, and uh, well, about two years ago, my health kind of went off the cliff, and I've been dealing a lot with health issues. You know, I went to I went to Greece, um, and that turned out to be a rough trip for me. I was there for a while. It turned out to be a rough trip. I came back sooner than, uh, of course, of, of course, the health issues, um, mainly related.
0: You know, I had a liver
1: transplant.
0: I remember. So, what happened in Greece? Uh, nothing. It turned out to be a rougher trip than I thought. Uh, and I,
1: my, you know, my health has been going downhill for the last couple of years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, a lot of it has to do with my. Uh, uh, my my liver transplant, my liver has kind of given out on me. Really? You were given a bad liver? No. I mean, it's been 27 years since I had a transplant. Right. And and it's not like you just get a new part and you put it in. You know, I've been on immunosuppress all this time, so my immune system has been shot for all these
2: years and- mm.
1: I don't drink, but it's kind of like, you know, you're an alcoholic. You just slowly, you a load of, it's all kinds of problems,
0: and, you know. Hey, I, I remember the liver transplant. Could you uh, relate how you experienced it? Well, how I experienced? Well, uh, yeah, I,
1: uh, picked up uh, a, a very virulent case of, uh, hepatitis A. You know, I went I got sick. I went to the doctor they said you have hepatitis A, go home, but then I went into a coma and uh found out that uh I was about to die. They said, Well, you've got about twenty four hours to live or thirty six hours to live before there's irreversible brain damage. Anyway, um miraculously I got a uh, uh I got a liver. They sent me to UCSF, they they prepped me, they called my family to come in. My brother came in from New York. But I survived. They they got a liver in me and, yeah. and that was a long that was twenty seven years ago. It, At the time the average uh, liver for a transplant was about nine years. Uh huh. You know, and I'm seventy seven I'm seven seventy eight years old, so hmm. you know, getting up there. Me too. <laughs> Same. It was kind of miraculous, mm. you know. I mean, to be able to, you know, uh, to be that close to the edge, and uh, and receive a uh, a liver like that. So yeah, a, a close friend of mine uh, moved to Greece. Uh, he, he's, that's a long story, but uh, he's uh, and he's he's like super set up in Greece. too. we were fishing buddies and boating buddies for a long time, and he was real close, and he moved to Greece, had family problems, moved to Greece, and he's set up there. you know he's got uh, he's really set up, and I wanted to go before the before the pandemic I was planning to go, and then the pandemic hit, and I put it off and put it off. So I was starting to feel a little better in the spring i had a had a heart attack about six months before that.
0: Oh gosh.
1: But uh, basically, I've been retired, you know, for the last 10 years or so. And I've been, uh, you know, just uh, uh, enjoying my life for the most part. Uh, Where do you come from? I was raised in New York. I come from New York. I come from South Brooklyn. South Brooklyn. Wow. All
0: right. Yeah. What was your ethnic uh, family? uh, Father was an immigrant from Poland. Polish Jew,
1: and my mother was a Sicilian, first degree, first generation.
0: Yeah, uh, immigrant. That's yeah. what I remember. And I, <laughs> I told Katrinka, I said, "He's, uh, he's Sicilian." She said, "Well, Fishman isn't Sicilian." And I said, "Well, maybe his mother's Sicilian."
1: Yeah, yeah. my My father, my father was in the garment business, very taken over by, uh, by you know. And I was a Jews so for the most part, and my mother was a seamstress. She worked for him, and
0: and uh, that's how that's how they got together, and that's how I got here. <laughs> you know, one time you told me, I swear, that y- your uncle delivered bodies for the mafia in his milk truck.
1: Well, that was hearsay.
0: <laughs>
1: <You know. laughs> but. Uh, but I grew up in a neighborhood, you know, if you ever watch The Sopranos, that's the
2: neighborhood.
1: Those are the kind of people that were around. And that's, (laughs) and my, my, my uncle, the one that used to be, he was a, he was a kind of, he was kind of a wannabe, a wannabe, uh, you know, he never, he never was. He was an unfortunate drunk, but, um, yeah, uh, yeah, my childhood is kind of, I don't know if we want we to go into my child. It was kind of rough.
0: Oh, yeah. Just whatever you
1: want to say. Well, it was interesting in that I was—I grew up in two cultures. I grew up in the Jewish culture. Um, actually, when I was really young, my first language was Italian, actually, because even though my father spoke a lot of languages and my mother spoke two languages, they only spoke to each other. And uh, I went to, uh, when my father was a was young, um, and things got really rough. I was basically from about 10 or 11 on. I left school um, real early, I think, 15 or 15. Mm. And I was always working. I was working. Uh, I always I worked um, when I was a kid. I was basically a street kid for, mm. uh, you know, for... And then it started from when I was 11 to 12. My mother, my father started getting sick. He died when I was 12. Mm. And she wasn't around much. She had to go to work. She tried to take the business. She lost the business. And uh, I was just basically left alone. I had no guidance or anything like that. Wild kid in the streets. And then, and uh, I grew up that way. I was, you know, I'm lucky I'm not a psychopath like a lot of, people I run out with. <laughs> but uh, I had a secret passion. Uh, I kind of educated myself in a way unstructured structured education at the time. But uh, I knew I, uh, I had to get out of... Uh, it was a draft, if you remember. And uh, so I expected to be drafted, so I figured, well, I'll just... Uh, as soon as I turned seventeen, I joined the Navy, and that's how I got. Uh, that's how I got, uh, in the Navy I, I did really well on all the tests, so they put me at. Uh, they gave me. They put me in electronic school, and that's how I got to. That's how I got to uh, San Francisco. Mm. And, uh, and then I got. Uh, I left the Navy after after a year. I was able to get a discharge. How come? Uh, an honorable discharge. I was really good in boot camp. I was athletic, petty officer. Mm-hmm. Um, but they sent me to school in Treasure Island, and I was completely unprepared. I didn't know how to know how. To, I got good marks in arithmetic, but I didn't know algebra, or trigonometry, and stuff like that. And reason well. I think that's why they gave me. It was like the best school. Where? Treasure Island. That's why I got to San Francisco. Yeah. And I loved, it. when I got here, when I got to San Francisco, I was completely, and, uh, and I fell in love with San Francisco. I fell in love was the whole beach scene going on. This is 1964. It was a whole beach. I have to say, you know, when I was in childhood, I kind of like, so I, I always, I always mm-hmm. were living in a, in a man's world. I never, I never had like a, a I never had high school and adolescence kind of thing you know I kind of like went right from being in trouble to charge I was only 18 years old I was on my own I had no skills I was hustling to get by in San Francisco and eventually I got into the art institute
0: I remember that I had forgotten all about that but I remember it now yeah well I took
1: my GED test I got good grades on my GED test I got my high school diploma I was 18 years old. I fulfilled my uh, military obligation with an honorable diploma. Mm. I wouldn't have even had that if I would have stayed in New York. I would have just been, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You got a GED and you got into the Art Institute. You got a lot more going for you than I hear in the story you're telling. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you you would picked up a bunch of stuff, man. You you'd developed. When I got to San
1: Francisco, I had no money. I had a phony driver's license from Jersey. I got a job selling cars, because they hired me. One thing I did because my father was in the garment business in New York, and I used to have you know sports coats. I don't if you remember those days. Everybody looked to suits and stuff like that, and that was kind of the outfit. This is, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, before hippies and all that kind of stuff. And so I had nice clothes, and you know, I was, I always I got myself in all kinds of jobs. I got myself a, I got myself a job as a, a PG&E executive. <laughs> just talking to it, just talking to a guy, and then when I my first day on the job, he said, "Pan out," and I said, "Well, excuse me, let me." Let me get some news. I just walked away. I had all kinds of scenes like that. But uh but I did read a lot. I belonged to the writer's workshop hand at writing when I was even when I was like fifteen or sixteen. Hmm. So I joined the writers workshop and I would read and uh kinda of beat intellectual crowd and I was kinda of hustling on the scene. But anyway, I, I uh, this was the art institute, so um that's another story. I got a lot of stories i don't actually should go into about my past but,
0: well, stories um, are the best
1: well I, I got too many i mean there's just this i got into it. okay here's how I got into the art institute. I applied to the art Institute and um i never had any i never had any mentoring when I was a kid. I was always looking for somebody to teach me. I was always to show me how to do things and what to do. But never, nobody ever really took it up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, so I went to the Art Institute and I applied, to it and I said that was in the spring. That was the Summer of
0: Love, I think. Summer of Love. Summer of Love is sixty-seven,
1: right? I got I, I and I was already I was already you know deep into the deep into the scene by then, and the Art Institute was like the hippest place on earth. Yeah, as far as I could tell. Yeah, it really was, and all the people that were going there—they weren't like colored kids. These were artists and really hit people. And uh, I asked them if I could work there in the summer, and I was—I was, I was going to be—I was supposed to—I applied to be a sculpture major, and uh, they had a small sculpture area. In the, this is before they built the new building at the Art Institute. Which you might not know, about. but uh, anyway, I went in there. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to weld. I didn't know how to do anything. And these guys are working on these big, heavy metal pieces and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't know what. Yeah, I didn't know what. To do. I figured I got to do something easy. I got to do something quick to impress people. So I called up the American camp and I asked them to don I told them I was an artist in New York and would they donate um, cans for me I
2: don't a sculptor.
1: And I figured, you know, I'll I'll tack I don't know how to really well, but I could tack all these cans together and put try and put something together. Well so I filled this room with cans, not the whole room, but a whole wall with with cans. But they were all melting, you know. So, I got really frustrated and I just went into a kind of like childish rage. And I, with the blow torch, I started melting all these cans and blowing them all together and going into some kind of a, a trance doing that. And it just so happened that the director of the school was passing by at that time and was peeking through the window and watching me do all this kind of stuff. And he thought it was pretty cool. So, anyway, I, i got i got started at the institute i i started in 1968 and then i cha- i changed my i changed my major to painting oh and uh yeah so i was there for 3 years on a on, on a i got a uh scholarship to go to the art institute uh, I was there on a scholarship. Also, I had the GI Bill was helping me pay.
0: Oh, yeah. But I lived
2: in
1: a truck. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember. I had an old truck that I built a, a cabin on. I, I lived... hmm. Also, at that time, uh, I had a I was practicing uh, Kung Fu in Chinatown. And also, that was the time I started going to uh, to Zen Center.
0: What what led you to go to the Zen Center? Well, uh, you know, like a lot of other people, I had taken and stuff like that, I realized that.
1: You know, there was <laughs> other stuff going on, you know, kind of sick consciousness, and um, I was I also read. I was starting, you know, I was reading Gurdjieff and and uh, um, different, uh, mystical people and learning about, uh, um, the different, different disciplines and stuff like that. And I, you remember Esteban Blanco?
0: Oh, certainly.
1: There was Steven Blanco and there was other people here at the Art Institute that had, well, he was the first one and we used to shoot pool. And he told me, he said, you know, there's the real deal in San Francisco. I a real teacher, not just a, a phony. There was a real teacher in San Francisco. And he told me about uh, Suzuki Roshi and Zen Center. One morning, I, I think I was up all night, I went to Zen Center. It wasn't Zen Center then. I think what was it? So what coaching. Was, you know. Yeah, it was Sokoji. Yeah, it was Sokoji Temple. I don't think it was. I don't remember being center at the time. Maybe it was.
0: What year? Uh, Nineteen sixty-eight. Well, that's Sokoji. We didn't move into the building. Yeah. No, and,
1: no. I no. I remember when we moved into the building. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember that was. That was. Um, right around the time you got Tassahara too. No, no, we got Tassahara.
0: Uh, at the end know. of '66, very end, and we went into the building oh. in '69 in November. Oh, okay. So I went to psychology,
1: and I sat there. I
0: sat in the rafters there, <laughs> and I do not know what
1: happened. Suzuki Roshi came out telling people I was sitting there with my legs high up in the air, and just kind of you know, trying to be still. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he gave me my first Zaza instruction. He sat in sat next to me. Oh, and kept and kept his hand on my back. He kept his hand on my back, pressing. Me, and he showed me how to do a mudra, and he kept pressing me. And um, he sat with me for about five, five or ten minutes. Wow. And I was, I was trying to, and I couldn't sit uh, cross-legged. Yeah. So, and then he left, and then this guy came around with a big. I said, "Oh man, it's, it's going to hit me," but he never did. Anyway, that was my first experience, and somehow, I started. I started going. I started going to zans. I didn't show up. Started going, and I started meeting more and more people that were interesting. That were, Who you know, Zen students. Uh, I think it was Peter DeGesso. Yeah. He
0: well, he was at the
1: Art Institute. Norman Stiegelmont
0: was... A- yeah, he was Art Institute. He was a teacher there. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, he was a teacher there. So the, so I started getting, like, a lot of positive reinforcement. And um, I don't know, you know, I just, uh, I don't know how it happened, but I started getting deep. I started going to lectures and um, had and, and uh um i remember the first i just took his glass and i made this i made this ceramic piece I figured, well, i'll bring it you know zen guy said and i remember i remember bringing him this piece and he was he took it gracefully you know mm-hmm. but i remember his wife kind of looked at it kind of rolled her eyes and stuff <laughs> i think about it now and it was really really silly silly kind of stuff but uh yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I got I got real serious about it, and uh, I started. I had my my truck. I used to leave the OR Institute at night, and I would park in the alley across the street. Uh, from uh, the entrance to the Zen, uh, the Zendo at the at Zen Center, uh, you know, I would sit there in the mornings and. And I uh, have breakfast, and then I go to your institute. I did oh, now, now you're at Page Street. You sit I'm there and Street, have breakfast. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you're,
0: we're at Page Street, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's a little broken times. I remember uh first time I went to Tassajar, I think it was the spring of the first training period, the, the big break of the first training period. I think you were there. The, the spring, there was a spring break. I think it was 1968.
0: 19 spring what? Break. 19 what? 68, 68, I think. I'm pretty sure. 1968, 1968. Uh, uh, the spring that Philip Wilson the was the head monk. There was a practice period. If you're talking about spring break, you're talking about April.
1: Right, it was April.
0: Yeah, mid-April on is is after the practice period. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I received. I, I learned how to um, do oriente. Yeah, Mel taught me how to do oriente. He was there. I think you might have been there. You were there a lot. Yeah, I was there. He was there often. Yeah, he was there very a lot of time. So I was I was deep into it. I was very serious. I wasn't a very you know, I gave up my senior scholarship at the Art Institute to go to Takahara to be with Tatsugami. Oh, yeah. It was a mistake because, uh, well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But uh, at, the, at the second practice period, he said, well, you know, you're not really. He didn't say it in those words or whatever. He said, you're not really material. Maybe you ought to go back to being an artist.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So. Um, so it was unfortunate because I would have stayed and stayed and been around Suzuki Roshi, but I, I kind of felt like, oh, man. So I went to Mexico. I went to Mexico, and I lived in Mexico. Stan White was there, and I went and practiced with him, and I taught Tai Chi in Mexico. But that was the fall when Suzuki Roshi got sick and
0: died. Oh, really? Well, that's you're talking 1971
1: then. Yeah, right, 1971,
0: yeah. Mm. You were there,
1: too. You were at the practice period of 70 and 71. Yeah. And um, and that, that's kind of what started the break for me from Zen. Set. Not that I had a, a break, like I had a falling out or anything, but I started separating. Uh, not so much then, but I didn't really get along with uh big girl two different worlds. Uh, and... Uh, um, I felt, you know, like things were changing. It wasn't the same, but to take pictures in the Zendo. I don't know if you remember this or not.
0: That does ring a bell.
1: It was. I, yeah. And I, he said, well, you can only do it once. So I have pictures in the Zendo during Zazen. I still have the negatives and stuff. If you'd be interested.
0: Well, of course, um, yes, I'm interested in all of them, so let me ask you a little bit about yourself uh,
1: you've been to Bali all this time. I guess you're enjoying it there,
0: yeah, it's a good place to work uh we're gonna live in a much, much, much higher standard of living here than we could there, and it's sort of sort of laid back, but you know they. They, they, they destroy it as fast as they can, but it's, it's still good to live here. Okay. What, wh- wh- where do you live in Bali? Sanur.
1: I mean, Bali's Sanur. How do you spell that?
0: It? It's A-N-U-R. It's a group of villages tied together. So like it's a big, big suburb of Den uh, on this, you know, uh, uh, on the ocean. Uh, it's got, very long beach and it it's a lot quieter and cleaner uh than the other side of the southern peninsula where kuta and simoniac and, uh all the more famous places are uh but you know uh, they're trying their Their goal here is to fill every blank space with the building and uh yeah. without yeah, any without any uh, uh Regulation, <laughs> or you know, just yeah. and um, uh, also to fill every street with cars so full that they can't move.
1: <laughs> well, you wouldn't believe San Francisco; it's gotten it's gotten <laughs> ridiculous here as well. But um, yeah, I I guess I guess that's the way of the world these days. Yeah, I don't I don't see how. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't see any correction to, uh, what's been going on with, uh, with the climate and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. What do
0: you think about climate change? What do you think about climate change?
1: W- what do I, th- what do I think about it? Yeah. I don't know all the ramifications, but I don't think we're going to have any kind of handle on it at
0: all. Sounds right.
1: I think it's going to, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, Maybe ten, twenty years, and all these problems we're going to have—we have right now: immigration, uh, depopulation, war, all that kind of stuff is increase. I don't see—I don't see how it's not. You know, give me a, give me, a, you know, we don't have a handle on it at all. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, I agree. And it, it, you know, and uh,
0: yeah, it—it it seems like that um uh, uh i think um having uh been around buddhism and uh looking at things in terms of a bigger picture i mean we always we're always involved with the small picture but having a sense of a bigger picture is like uh suzuki roshi said if the world were to end tomorrow nothing will have happened Uh, So that's one side. On the other side, he was very concerned about environmental degradation. He felt there would always be war. We couldn't stop people from having war. Uh, And uh, we'll see. I don't agree with that. I I think for the human race to evolve to a higher place, we have to get beyond being psychotic, uh, psychotic planet. But there's no sign right now that we're doing that, but you know climate change might force such drastic changes yeah, who knows uh but my main concern is just that that human race and higher forms of life and everything else survive i I think that's more important oh, of course, than anything yeah. uh, and um you know people are concerned about their identity. And their sex life, and uh, uh, how they feel, and
1: <laughs> outside of like small life pockets, like like and Buddhism, and uh, people that have a, a, some some understanding. I mean, when when all these pressures come down, uh, people will hurt the other way. I mean, the stuff that's going on in the world, the cruelty, the Barbarism and stuff like that—it's just—it's just just outrageous, insane, and and yeah, you know, on so many, and uh, and the pressures—the pressures are going to be, you know, just outrageous. They're just going to be outlandish. They're going to be completely outrageous. And wonder if people are still going to be able to connect, to have the the space, to have the opportunity. Because you know it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I've spent my whole life just trying to become a slightly better person. (laughs) Uh (laughs) It didn't happen. It didn't happen like suddenly overnight. You know that uh, that uh, I've been able to. Not that I'm that advanced. And one thing I want to say is, you know, some of the students that I, uh, some of the teachers now at Zen Center, I remember as young students and stuff. I'm really, really impressed. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't go to Zen Center often, but I, you know, I, I check in once in a while. I listen to the lectures
2: mm-hmm. and
1: stuff, and I'm, I'm really, you know, it gives me a lot of, uh, a lot of faith in the practice. Not only my own experience, but to see other people's experience as well.
2: That's Get
0: good to hear.
1: And the practice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I still have a practice. You know, I, I, I'm not a, I'm a bit of a loner. I always have been, but I still practice. There's three practices I started in my early 20s that have kept me going. One was Tai Chi and yoga, and the other was Zazen and uh, and 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 uh and buddhist philosophy
2: mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: you know very very uh, grateful for that and and uh they've been the they've been kind of the, the staples for spiritual life i should <laughs> uh that i have yeah you know i should i should every day i don't need you know i don't have i realize that and I know that uh, I've been told that uh, without a sangha, i practicing in a sangha. Uh, uh, but in a way, I have a sangha. You yeah, have a sangha.
0: You don't believe any you, bullshit that says your practice is yeah. not authentic because of some something somebody's written or said or something. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I, I, you know, I, I, feel, I feel that... I, I, but I'm just not around. I'm just not around. I miss some of the, I miss some of the, you know, when I was at Zen Center, I didn't particularly like a lot of the ceremonies. But um, uh, since I've been, uh, I don't participate very much in them. Every once in a while, there's you know, I'll go to Zen Center and, or for a, a memorial for Suzuki Roshi, or I like the full moon ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, nice name. Yeah. And uh and uh I remember when I was at uh, Tassajara, I didn't like Orioki very much but when I left I really missed it.
2: you
0: uh, know, uh. I mean,
1: it was <laughs> do, do you feel that way sometimes? You remember? Well,
0: yeah, I yeah. I I uh, I, uh was all right with me. I it's nothing I tried to uh repeat outside of formal oriyoki settings <laughs> i know there's a woman here yeah. uh who studied with uh, richard baker at his germany place and she and her husband uh she was ordained by uh dick as a priest and she and her husband had, uh shaved heads and uh uh a very very nice villa in a m- much more remote place and uh you know, they had a morning schedule, the like, uh, two with keen uh, cleaning period and then oreoke breakfast and, uh, cool. work in their garden. And you know, this is incredible. Well, her, her husband died in, in a, in a motorcycle accident and uh, she continued doing that by herself. Uh, and without uh, any other people, just yeah, yourself, just her. Right? And, uh, yeah. uh, she's coming out more. She, she goes back to Germany to, uh, uh, she's, I, I, she was spending some time here in Sonora and, uh, met some really good people and, uh, realized, uh, that she was put herself under a lot of pressure, uh, that you know, it's good to be around other people and uh, yeah. have that pressure off you. Uh, mm. uh, so I remember when you were in Mexico, like you said with Stan, you said you were sleeping on the beach one night and you saw a murder. Yeah, that was in Pied la Cuesta.
1: That was a uh, uh, kind of a outside of Acapulco. There was a. a it was a. Um, it was kind of like a sand but There was a kind of a, a lagoon on one side, and there was the ocean on the other side. It was called Pied de la Cuesta, which means um, point of the coast or something like that. And, and uh, in those days, uh, there was, you know, it was, it was actually, You know, it was it was pretty. It was kind of a, a hippie hangout because you could go there spend 50 cents to put up your hammock under a palapa somewhere. And, and, uh, and that's where you were. That's, and there was a, the place I was, there was a little hut where you could lock up your the woman who kind of ran. You could lock up your, your duffel bag or your backpack in there, and you could, uh, put up your hammock and that's where you kind of hung out. Right, 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 uh, right on the beach. And uh, It was kind of funny, you know, <laughs> because the uh, it was constantly being raided by the uh, Federalist. Huh? Why? And, you know, they'd be, they'd, oh, be you know, well, for, they oh, well, because there were hippies hanging out there, and it was like, uh, uh, you know, dope, dope, acid, all that kind of stuff, and and uh, it was funny because uh, we'd get raided. And the hippies, you know, they would take their dopes and they would hide it in the sand, you know, they'd bury it in the sand and stuff like that, They're, you know. And in the morning you'd see all these guys crawling around in the sand trying to remember where they, <laughs> where they hit, the, digging in the sand trying to remember where they hit their stashes. <laughs>
0: That's funny.
1: But anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, it was, uh, there was, uh, was a couple of Mexican guys, there was some guy, some hippie guy who was walking down the beach it was kind. Of, it was nighttime, and it was far away from me. But um, I could kind of, kind of make it. I didn't notice it until I heard the kind of pop. And uh, anyway, this guy was walking down the beach, and he's, uh, he was, uh, he was shot. I don't know all the details, but uh, I remember running over there and a couple of other guys, and he was, he was shot in the chest. He died. And he was alive when I saw him, but you know he was. He was shot in the chest, so, you know, uh, blood was coming out of his nose and his mouth. I guess he couldn't breathe and stuff like that. And,
2: mm.
1: and he, uh, he, he uh, that was, that was there. But that, that was, uh, but my, that was just a, a trip I would taken at the Poco, but.
0: I used to uh, i the before I came to San Francisco, the last thing I did was live in Acapulco for three months and have my first day well you trip. Must know,
1: uh, yeah you must you must know that beach then yeah it was I, mean, I you must know that beach you remember it was it it had a big lagoon on one side and it was a there was there, uh, there was the ocean on the other side and uh you take a bus. You yeah, take a bus from the air. Yeah, I, I had, a, long, ca- I had a car.
0: Like I had a car. so oh. I could, uh yeah. And I lived in Mexico for a year before that. That was very, very educational. Wonderful.
1: Yeah, I found I found the the same thing when um uh when I left uh actually. When I left my training period with Tatsugami, uh, that spring I left and uh, my plan was to go to Mexico and I sold my truck and uh, came through, came back to Zen Center. I sold my truck and then uh, I lost all the money that I, that was the money I was going to go to, Mexico went, and I foolishly put it in my bag and I left it on the steps of Zen Center. Some little black kid grabbed it with all my money.
0: That's like saying, "Here's a free box. I know, Take anything I know. in
1: it." Yeah. Well, I didn't. You know, that's the way I lived. I mean, I, I didn't have it. I sold my truck. That was my house. I had a, I had a bag. I don't know. I guess I didn't have the money in my pocket. I put it. I put it in this bag that I used to carry around with me, and I got sidetracked. I left it on the steps of Zen Center. <laughs> I'm very and sorry. Some, some little black kid grabbed it and took off. Yeah, that, well, yeah, that was a, that was a blow, but uh, I, I hung around. I had to hang around for the summer. Peter Gesso got me some work, construction work, painting and stuff. And I made five, I made the five hundred bucks back I got for the. And then I left. I went to uh, Mexico, and Peter. I mean, um, J, remember Jed Lindy and Maria? Of course. They gave me. They gave me some contacts, uh, which turned out to be really great and. Mexico City, and I, I knew that Stan White was in Mexico City, so I took off in Mexico City, and uh, I got to, I went to, and this guy hurt, this psychiatrist, psychiatrist I guess it was a psychiatrist, a psychiatrist, uh, Jorge Bez, kind of a rich Mexican who was trying to do an 1 thing in Mexico City, uh-huh. And, uh huh. And
0: so I hung out with. Are you sure he friends, wasn't uh, trying Stanton. to do it in Cuernavaca?
1: No, it wasn't Cuernavaca. It was outside of Mexico City at a place called. What uh, what is it? Tarango, I think. It was right outside of Mexico City. And uh, um, he had had this place. Uh, Stan, Stan White was there uh, and had. That little Zen practice there so I joined him and we had a little Zendo scene going and uh, huh. sometimes people would join us hmm. so we had a regular practice, we did Zazen every morning and uh, Herger and uh, I started teaching Tai Chi there because I, I wasn't a teacher but I was the only you know, I was I was an advanced student at that point and uh, so I got to I got to stay at uh, at uh, at the place, and that's where I, that's where I lived. And I made a little bit of money uh, doing that, and also doing some. I did uh, sold artwork in Sullivan Square on Sundays.
2: Really, I did
1: high really? Yeah, I did. Well, Mexico had all this great cloth, that, so I made. Uh, I would get these. Banner. I would make these banners out of this cotton cloth that they had, and I would tie. I would do like uh, you know, kind of watercolors on this big, big banners. You know, big uh, six by eight, four by five swaths of cloth. Mexican dye was cheap. I would use that as colorant, and I did these things, and I hung them from bamboo poles, and I sold them. I sold them in Sullivan Square on Sundays, and plus. Through uh, Jed Lindy's contacts, which were kind of like middle class uh, Mexicans and, and an Icelandic guy that I really, really liked,
2: mm. um,
1: so I, I kind of got, I kind of fell into, a, you know, there was a middle class crowd there, and also I wanted to study Spanish, and so I was able to take go to Spanish school downtown. It was great. It, it was really didn't have much money, but uh, I never had much money. And, uh, uh, so it was, I would take, I would go downtown and, uh, do my Spanish classes during the, during the day. And, and, uh, then I had some, and then, oh, and then I had some wild experiences in Mexico. I, um, I got to, I got to do demonstrations like at the university in Mexico, Tai Chi demonstrations, I got so one time one time I there was somebody organized a you know a demonstration for me and a whole bunch of you know a whole bunch of people and they started treating me like I was some kind of like guru or something like that it was very kind of strange anyway so I'm giving my little spiel in uh, about Tai Chi and, and this all of a sudden the door in the back this. Uh, <laughs> This Japanese guy in his in his in his judo outfit and his students come marching in, and he had his student. He was a big blond guy. He's about six foot three with a black belt stuff, and they challenged me to a fight. They they challenged me to challenge me to a to a to a fight to see if, to you know because I was you know you know I mean I wasn't really trying to. Propose, uh Tai Chi as a, uh, it was a martial art, you know, but I was, my aspect was it as a, you know, as, as more of an exercise, a mental and, and physical exercise. But they came and, and wanted to ch- challenge me. He wanted his, his major student to challenge me to, uh, to a, to a real, a real, <laughs> a real fight. And what that happened? Interesting. Uh yeah. I said no. I said I'm you know, I'm not I'm I'm not I'm not interested in it, it was something. I, I you know, I kinda of talked my talk my way out of it. What was really strange is after the class these gorgeous girls and I was horny as hell at the time, these gorgeous girls were coming up and they wanted to kiss my hand and you know, to give me the eyes and stuff. I was just like, Oh my god, what what's going on here? <laughs> I I I uh I kinda it kind of uh it, it kind of I don't know it kind of spooked me I think you know I mean, I didn't think the people were getting the message I was trying to trying to give. but you know it's, you know when you when you but a lot of stuff was like that too, you know um this this guy de bez would get yogis and stuff to come come from in to give classes and mm-hmm. And also, and then I had these um, middle class, these middle class women, these professional women, you know, that have problems with their husbands, and they want to come and talk to me about it stuff. So, you know, I, you know, I'm just a street kid from New York. <laughs> well, I feel very uncomfortable in that role, you know. Mm. But uh, but basically, uh, it was great. It was a great experience. I got to. You know, live in another culture, learn a little bit of the language and, you know, and uh, uh it was always something I wanted to do, you know. So I was able to, I was able to, uh, to live there and make contacts in Mexico. And of course, I've been back there tons of times since, but, um but that was a big, uh, I lived there for about a year, kind of like you did. Mm. I don't know what yours,
0: what you were doing there. What were you doing there? I went to the University of the Americas, uh, oh. for two quarters and, uh, you know, they told me never come back. Uh, and uh, mainly I was smoking pot and taking a little speed, yeah. walking, around, I would walk around Mexico city and meet people. I played guitar in a whorehouse. Uh, I was, I was trying to spend as much time as I could speaking Spanish. Uh, I was a bad student though. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, when I look back on it, I just think, ah, too much pot, too much speed. Uh, I wasn't a, I wasn't well, a speed freak or anything, but you know, I could just yeah. buy it. Well, that's interesting. Could just buy it in a yep. drugstore. Uh, Well,
1: when I was in Mexico City, I didn't smoke any pot at all. I didn't do any of that uh, when I was, when I was, subsequently I did on other trips and stuff. But uh, when I was, when I was there for that seven or or eight months living there, and then I took off, you know, after a while, I I just took off and went traveling around. That's, uh I guess, when, that's, I guess, when uh, I that guy got murdered at Pacheco Queston.
0: Uh-huh. Um, uh huh. Well, I was there yeah. before I came to San Francisco and Zen Center. Right. You know, right, back in '65, yeah. I lived there in '65, and then the first three months of '66. And so, uh, you know, uh, so you
1: were only yeah. about
0: twenty years old, right? You're about twenty, yeah. Something like that? Yeah, yeah, maybe I went there when I was nineteen. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, no, I I think I was uh, just turned twenty. Uh, yeah, um, um, what was I gonna say to you? Um, oh, did you ever meet Angel takata
1: There was a Zen monk who had a practice in in Mexico City. Right. Was that Angel Takata I guess I guess I sat. I went to sit. And his zendo, I sat. I, I think I sat with him a couple of. He had a place. Can't remember now where it was. Was it Avenida? Day? I don't remember where it was, but I remember. The, I remember. He was. He went. He was the guy that. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of bad on names. He was the guy. He went. He was he the guy that went and and uh, wanted to. Teach Mexicans how to grow soybeans. That's right,
0: he did. That, that, he did. Yeah,
1: and and, and and he did that. And then there was a story about him wanting to get a bell, where he sat in the embassy for sitting zazen for a while until they allowed him to get the bell from this from Japan. What else do I remember about him? Huh. Uh, and he was a Rin. I think he was Rinzan. Yeah, he was
0: at a uh
1: yeah. I yeah, I did sit I did sit I went I went to a couple of uh I went to a couple of sittings there with him but I didn't uh you know, I didn't uh didn't pursue it that much. But I did I did meet him briefly mm-hmm. during um but uh but we had a practice, you know, uh Stan and I we, we had we had a regular practice, and we'd do one day sittings.
2: Mm-hmm. That's um, great
1: up there, and a few people, which sh- few people showed up, and that was the, that was a practice I did, and I did my I did Tai Chi there, and then I had some students. Yeah, um, and the deal was the deal was that, uh, um, you know, I was able to live there, and I got it uh, made a few bucks so I could pay for my food, and didn't need much to live there. Pretty inexpensive oh boy. Food. yeah.
0: Wonderful food. And, uh, I'd pay a quarter for the most incredible lunch. <laughs> oh,
1: oh yeah. No, and, and I think I don't know if it's still like well, me- Mexico's changed, but I haven't been to Mexico City in quite a while. I'd like to go back. But I don't know. I've, there's all these places like Greece is one of the places. I don't know if my health will allow me to do that kind of stuff anymore. But um Whatever. Uh, That was. uh, It was. It was really. uh, It was really uh, a big. A big deal for me in my life. Now, when I think back about it, and it's helped me a lot. I'm not super fluent in Spanish, but Spanish has helped me a lot in uh, later on when I became a contractor and stuff like that, because most of the help here in san francisco was uh, spanish you know spanish. oh yeah
0: i used to, uh i used to hire uh guys uh you know uh you know in santa rosa sitting on the side uh to do work uh where i was taking care of uh, john Terrence's place he's a zen teacher up there and i would o- only wanted hispanics uh anybody wasn't in spanish i didn't want them because they weren't any good spanish were unbelievably good workers really nice people and i could communicate with them i don't like you said i don't have good spanish but it's not that hard and uh yeah i i you know and they have a hard life and i really appreciate them they have a wonderful culture i got a lot of uh I, I did a lot of uh, sort of business with the Hispanic community up there. Like if I needed car work, good Lord, i get good car work in somebody's yeah. front yard for way less than elsewhere. Yeah. Haircut, all yeah. sorts of stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, it kind of helped me. It helped me a, a big, you know, the first real, um, uh, big time job I got, I got hired to be a, uh, a, a, in Hayward, they had a big complex there, like eighty and ninety buildings on hundred acres of property. It was called Tanglewood Apartments, right below the university.
2: Yeah,
1: and they were looking. They were looking for a supervisor there, a painting supervisor there, a painting and construction supervisor, and uh, they hired me. I, you know, I applied for the job, <coughs> and they. They hired me, and the the, uh, administration, there a lot of ex-army guys, a lot of um,
2: ex-army
1: guys, you know, uh, that were in the administration and stuff like that. So they wanted me to hire, so the job originally was, it lasted for years, but originally it was supposed to be for... uh, you know, for the summer extended periods, and there were like eighty buildings, big buildings. They wanted to be that needed painting and this kind of that. So there was going to be a summer project. They wanted me to hire college kids. This is their idea. uh. Uh-uh. you know, go out and hire hire college kids, hire a bunch of college kids, and uh, and uh, you know do this do this stuff. So well, I had ads in the paper you know, in different places. And these these guys would show up, you know, and they were all, you know, white and muscular and good looking and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, I just, so, and I'm talking to them and say, well, geez, you know, I don't know if you guys are paying off and this and that. And you're giving me all this crap. So I, I said, you know, I'm going to cut down the chase. I put a 40, I put a 40 a, a foot ladder. Oh, uh. on the side of a building. Put a forty foot. I put a forty foot ladder on the side of the building, and a five gallon bucket of paint on the bottom. Oh, I said, well, you know. So I I interviewed interview, and this and that, and I say, okay, well, this is the job. Take that five gallon bucket of paint and put it on the roof. You know, you know. I interviewed like three or four these guys father five of these guys. Not one of them would do it. Not one of them would do it. So I said, screw this. So I put my head in. So then I had these Mexican guys showing up. You Mexican kids. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, sure.
1: Every every one of them. Even, even this one kid, I remember. He, he was shaking in his pants. But you know, he did it. He went up. I think he was. Well, I went, he went up halfway. I said, okay, that's enough. Come on down. These guys. And they didn't have this a lot of skills yet, but they knew how to work. You know what I mean? Yeah, they knew how to work, and uh, they they picked it up. And I would teach, I would teach them how, you know, I would teach them different skills. And then not only did we do painting, I did a whole. Then we got into the whole company I had two sets of two crews working for me. What a job, you know. And after I got the foremans going, and each crew, you know, they worked for me, and I ate with them. They had the best food, you know. They 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 had the best. They they come with all this great food, and I would eat with them and hang out with them, and I'd look after them, you know, because everybody was looking to take advantage of them all the time. I would look after them, and it got to the point where they was they were so. They were so good and so protected of me. I wouldn't even have, to, I would, you know, I would show up in the morning wait. Everything would be started. Everything would be going good. I would go off and do whatever I want to do in the day, you know, and I would skate through these, you know, through these, I just sk- did that for years and years. Mm. Did that on several other projects too. I did that in my, my last job. Uh, yeah. Before I retired, I was, I was the facilities manager for a school and uh, it's the same thing, you know, all the, all the maintenance guys I got were all Hispanic guys, uh, janitorial crews that I hired were all, uh, the painting crews, they're all Hispanic yeah. and they always did the best work and, uh, I could trust them and they knew that they knew that I would, you know, I would. I would, uh, I would cover their backs for, for yeah. whatever, you know, other stuff that came up. and So it turned out to be, it turned out a little, a trip to Mexico and my, my interest in learning Spanish really, really helped me, you know, and for the rest of my life in that
0: way. Yeah. Well, those guys, yeah. uh, you know, one way I'd look at it, I didn't really know was that they have culture. And they have family, and everything might have fallen yeah. apart, but it's deep in them, and they're they're yeah. grounded inside, and in many ways exactly they're right. they're, exactly they're more right. solid and together than we are right uh, yeah
1: no i felt I felt that uh I knew that they 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 knew that I understood that you know because. I would, I would always, you know, I I put my job on the line to protect them sometimes, and, and because you know, guys want to take advantage advantage of them, and, and they, but I, you know, I knew where they were coming from. I understood their culture. I lived amongst them, and I, uh, 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 you know, I had a lot of respect. You know, even if these guys were immigrants from, you know, I, uh, you know. I I could feel their, uh, the the quality of the you know where they were coming from and everything. So, uh, yeah, I really felt uh, I really felt uh um, yeah. you know close to them. Yeah, and uh, it, yeah, it, it worked out to be a two way street. They helped me a lot as well. You know. Yeah, they were good. Um, and they've pretty much you know they've pretty much taken over all the you know, the construction all the construction stuff, at least around in California. Landscaping, carpentry, big construction jobs. You go on a big even you know, a big big construction job and they're all speaking Spanish.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. And they're in the meantime, just uh just reputable uh Politicians are demonizing them. It's, it's really the most oh, evil oh, thing. It's, uh, it's, people, it's, people are it's, sheep yeah. and just go along with a lot of them. Anyway, I want to leave that. I want to go back to uh, Zen Center. I want to give you a few names. Were you, uh, were you ever close to Donnie? Donnie who? Donnie Crockett.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, Doc Crockett. Sure. Yeah, we. Uh, I let, uh, uh, We we were uh, roommates, and when he had uh, Good
0: Karma Cafe. Oh.
1: One thing.
0: Yeah. How was that? Yeah. Wow. Well, that was uh, that was.
1: Uh, yeah. Well. That was that was fine for however long it lasted. I lived with him up in above the Good Karma Cafe. Wow. Uh, when he was, you know, he was, I got along with him okay. I mean, he's a bit of a character, kind of a, you know, um, but, uh,
2: <laughs>
1: we were always, we were always relatively uh, sympathical. Uh, uh, I haven't seen him. I think I ran into him years ago at, uh, Green Gulch. Yeah, he, but, uh,
0: well, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still going to Green Gulch every Sunday and he'd go down to the, to the the, the the beach and go over to the little beach. Uh yeah, he had like to go nude. And he'd, he'd go swimming. Go nude. And uh, serious yeah. swimming. And uh you know, he'd go to the gym a lot. And he Yeah, he was always he was always into that. He'd you know, do he double dipsies. He's he's the most <laughs> he's he he, he he did running with um some I guess there were Japanese or Korean, maybe Korean monks who came to Tassajara and talked to Suzuki Roshi about uh, their practice was running and running with them, and Suzuki Roshi said, "Yeah, go for it." Uh, anyway, really interesting guy. Oh, really? Way back then. Yeah, and great yeah, photographer you know, I know that, too.
1: I yeah, I, 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 we, we were fairly close even when he was, uh, you know, when he. Even when he had that little bread, remember? He was making. He started the Tasahara bread thing, really.
0: Yeah, in uh, Page Street, he was, he
1: was making bread. He was making bread at Page Street, and uh, I remember because I'd go around with him every once in a while. I had an old Volkswagen, we'd go around trying to pedal these loaves to different places, different little health food stores and stuff like that in the
0: city. Yeah. He did that, that. before, and then I don't know he did that there, but um Alan winter also did a very i don't know who was first, but they both did that uh you know before any it was the the first uh uh commercial baking thing outside of tasahara that happened around Zen center. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I remember when he when he started we used to hang out a lot together uh and um um I don't know music or for whatever reasons so, uh and then uh and then when
0: I broke up
1: with Marilyn.
0: um Oh you were with Marilyn? I remember now Yeah. Oh wow, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was uh I, actually I had spent the summer at Tasahara and uh and I wanted I was I, I guess this is what really kind of eventually set me on a different path because I I think that might have been the summer you were. Were well, you were the head monk that summer?
0: That's uh, 74
1: yeah 74 70.
0: i was in the spring 70. and no. the summer uh i guess i guess, well and, yeah i think and, you were. You, and i was director in 75 and you were there then uh uh-huh. yeah and i used yeah. to I, I i ran i ran that interference for you to stop you from getting kicked out uh
1: I yeah I remember that I remember that they wanted to kick me out because they caught me they caught me it was it was uh, Linda Cuts right caught me in delicado at the at, at the
0: narrows but yeah and uh, yeah I mean and you get you got to go you, beyond I, the narrows but actually back then well, well I was I, back then back, we well, were was, going was, beyond that the officers were going beyond the narrows we were on yeah, fire watch was, high <laughs> fire. Uh, right, right. uh, you know, high fire danger. So we were going well beyond the narrows. I mean, our fire watch would begin like at four in the afternoon and we'd walk down creek, up creek and you know, to tell people they couldn't be camping there because it was just too dangerous. Uh, and you got caught. Uh, I got, yeah, I, I got caught in the act
1: and she wouldn't leave, you know, she, <laughs> And she was just, she, you know, and the girl was a little freaked out and stuff like that. And then, uh, so, <laughs> I so you you were the one. That, <laughs> this is funny. You were the, so I didn't know what to you know. I, I think I came to you, and said, you know, how do I do? What do I do? Blah blah blah. You said, well, just tell her the way you feel. So she came to me, and she was expecting to me to be all humble and contrite and. You know, and I kind of was in the beginning, but then I said, you know, you're completely outrageous, there, I said, And oh, she, her face turned red, and uh, I don't, you know, and I, I, I knew, I knew my, I knew my, I, I kind of felt my number was up there uh, at that. But then, then uh, Richard, ba- you know, I, I, Richard Baker came, came down, and uh, I was always I was kind of avoiding Richard Baker. I never had Docus on with him, and I remember when he the first morning he came, the first person he called to have Docus on with was me. And at the time, I was a little pissed off because of the way he was treating Stan. I don't know whether Stan deserved it or not, but he he was kind of I think he kicked Stan out or something like that. Well, Stan would be pretty crazy, man yeah i uh, yeah he was I, I guess he was but uh anyway, I was kind of questioning him about that, and i don't we just never hit it off i couldn't uh you know i just never had that uh so anyway, I really wanted to you know i re- even though I was messing around a little bit in the summer I really wanted to spend i really wanted to uh, do the practice periods after that. Had nothing really else going, but he wouldn't let me. So uh, after I, after the summer, I, I went back up and uh, and that's kind of when I got together with Marilyn. And uh, we got a place together, where she had a place. I moved in with her. I can't remember exactly, but it was up the street. So we were together for a while, and then uh, I went to Mexico. And she took up with somebody else. And uh, when I got back, so I needed to find another place to live. And that's when I moved into. Uh, and uh, with Don, Don said he had a room up in this place. Ah, yeah. And, uh, I lived there, of course. Yeah. I
0: lived
1: there for, for a while until I decided until I got a flat on Laguna Street. Yeah. And I moved back. Uh, uh,
0: Do you remember Renee? Renee Pate? Yeah. Oh, well, we were close.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, I was close. Uh, I helped him get back. I helped him get back into, get, you know, when he, he was having trouble when he, when he, to get out of jail because he couldn't find a place to, he needed sponsors, you know, uh get when he got out of jail to get back to
0: San Francisco with, with, you mean and, jail um, or prison you mean prison 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 yeah prison uh oh well, you, know, you mean I around around, it, it, around 19 it, it, you know, uh early 80s uh no, no I, 85 I, I always,
1: I 80, always, 85 well, 84 I knew Renee I first met Renee Way way back, way back in in before Zen, way before Zen, back in my North Beach days.
2: Uh-huh.
1: He used to run with the well, he used to run with a black crowd, a bu- bunch of black guys in North Beach. Mm. I remember that, and I would run into him a lot then. And then kind of, and then you know when, when the hippie thing started and LSD, and he was into yoga and stuff like that. Right. We, and then, and then, uh, so we were always kind of running across each other. And then we both got involved in Zen Center. And, uh, and he was in construction. He would, you know, we would get each other jobs and stuff like that for over the years. But, uh, and then, and then, you know, when he got into, when he got into heroin and stuff like that. It turns out that him and uh, uh, a guy I went to the Art Institute with, I didn't know this at the time, but they were trafficking heroin from Thailand. Well. And what's his name? Well. What's his name? Uh, uh, who was involved with that crowd? Terry. Um, Terry.
2: Terry. Terry
1: Gregg? He, so was, he was involved, was involved in the- with the Art, yeah. Art
0: Institute?
1: No, he wasn't involved with the Art Institute, but Terry Craig, Renee, and this other guy that I subsequently went to the I didn't know at the time. The other guy was living on a boat in Berkeley, and he was like the the ringman. Robert this group. Robert, you knew Robert. Robert. I yeah, I knew Robert from the Art Institute. But I didn't know. No, you knew Robert from
0: the Art Institute, my God. Uh uh. My God. Uh, yeah, he was he was Terry's mentor.
1: Right. So but he was yeah, so he was so from Renee and Terry were always talking about this guy. Now they always oh, they would they would uh well Renee first Terry too, they trusted me. I knew what they were doing, but I wasn't interested in heroin they were keep trying to give me heroin all the time. I just wasn't interested in it. Me
0: too. You know? Yeah. I
1: wasn't I never I never was I wasn't interested in cocaine. I mean, I tried all this stuff, didn't do anything for me. Not not I didn't like I didn't like being on cocaine. I didn't like laying on the floor staring at the ceiling. <laughs> you know, I went heroin. I didn't so so I guess I was safer then because I wasn't, you know, and I was also an old friend to both of them. You know, I knew Terry from Zen Center and Renee, and I went back. They would, you know, like and Renee would always come. and says, "Well, I'm going to Thailand. Here's five thousand dollars in case they get in trouble. You know, put it away for me." In fact, I had to I had to send them a bunch a bunch of money when he eventually he did get busted in Hawaii. <laughs> Terry, <clears throat> Terry, uh, Terry. Uh, Terry would give me his Corvette to keep of course, I had a garage here, at the, you know, and <laughs> when he would go on, go on these trips. But I didn't know who Robert was until I finally met him. And then we realized that we knew each other. I even remember the painting that he did. He was doing a painting at Charles Means at the Art Institute. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, uh, I was kind of like the safe guy. And so I knew about what they were doing and stuff like that. And and they gave me money and stuff like that to hold for them. And uh, um, <coughs> it's funny because uh, my brother was involved with some mafioso guys, some big guys, you, you know, John Gotti in New York and stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, when he was, you heard about him. One of his lieutenants, one of his, my brother, my brother, and my cousin who had a nightclub in New York knew him. He came out, he was on the run. He came, came looking me up. And, uh, oh, that's a whole other story. I don't know if I want to get into that one, but anyways, <laughs> something similar. But, but yeah, Renee, Renee and I, I knew Renee, uh, I've known Renee for a long time. And, uh, he was an impet, you know, he was strange. He had strange stuff with women. But, um, well, that's
0: to say uh, the least. Uh, strange stuff like, uh, getting violent.
1: Yeah, he would
0: get, uh, yeah, uh, and raping. He was, he was tried for rape it, yeah, and I, kidnapping at gunpoint in San Francisco. And he was guilty because I, I knew. Was I knew all about school, it. Or, I knew or, the woman, and uh, he got off. And but in Florida, he was arrested for rape. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know about San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know about. He that. was arrested for rape and kidnapping. You know, if you hold somebody, there's kidnapping. In Florida, and he did. Yeah. He was lucky to get out. He did about eight years for that. He did about twenty years in prison, all told. Mm-hmm. Uh. Maybe he was it 12 was twelve years think, in Florida, and uh, I think it was ten years in Florida.
1: I think it was ten years. Ten in Florida. years in Florida, uh, yeah, yeah, and and then I think he did four. Well, and then he did. I don't know. He did four years for the drug charge, and then he he jumped parole, and went to Florida. Oh, and um, oh. Yeah, remember he came. He was out. He he was out. and He was kind of around here, and he started getting in trouble with women around Zen Center, and they kicked him out of Zen Center.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Is worse than and, that. Uh, <laughs> he had well, a he had a know, dark oh, side. I, he had he didn't know about that side of himself because uh, I'd talked to him about we, it, and he'd go, "What? I didn't do that. What are you talking about?" Uh. Well, I know he, you know, I know that,
1: uh, his, I eventually, you know, when he, later before he died, he made, you know, I, he, uh, he contacted his daughter and, uh, I guess there was some strange stuff going on when he was a kid because his mother wouldn't let him see it, her, his daughter for a long time. But eventually before he died, uh, You know, uh, she came out, or or, did I meet her? No, I met her after after he died. But he was in contact with her before he died. Mm. And uh, and um, uh, so I I met her. I met
0: her. She she actually she's died too. Do you know how Robert died? um, No. Robert, uh, you know the cops knew, the feds knew. That uh, he was smuggling heroin, and uh, uh, he got a—he had uh, diabetes, and uh, oh, really? The, yeah, the true. Oakland police or something over there in East Bay arrested him uh, and threw him in in uh, jail for the weekend, and didn't allow him to have any medicine, and he died.
1: Well he's probably strung out too. I don't know. Well, yeah, that
0: didn't kill you.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I Just yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I didn't know because I, 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 wasn't really that. I wasn't really because I was friends with, with. I wasn't that much. I wasn't a friend of Roberts. I just knew him.
0: Yeah, uh, from, I wasn't either. Uh, Terry introduced us once, and Terry was enamored of the whole scene. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I, I didn't understand that about Terry. I, I like Terry. We, you know, we hung out. He was always trying to get me to do cocaine and stuff. I did it twice. I didn't like it. I didn't get back. you know, what's the point? And anyway, I I didn't understand Terry's fascination with all that kind of stuff.
0: I have a a song about it. Uh, go to balayuga.com, dot com and that takes you to the diffuser music site. So I did six albums here with local musicians. And that is the one called Bad Intentions. And Bad Intentions is the song about what we're talking about. Do you have any other memories of Suzuki Roshi, Kanagiri Roshi? Any of that?
1: I experienced,
0: uh, let
1: me see, who was there? There was Silas. Silas. It was Ed Brown's project, I remember. He wanted to get away from the bakery. It was his project. There was Alan Marlowe. And Suzuki Roshi, when we were working, was right near his cabin, and he'd come out in the afternoon to work with us. Mm -hmm. He was always being admonished by his wife for doing this. Yeah. (laughs) And one one explicit experience I remember, and he would come and, and... he, he was always excited and he would, you know, he was just little spider guy on these rocks and stuff. And I remember we had to chip a piece of rock off to make it fit into the We were always trying to get the rocks to fit naturally. And this was a big piece of, a uh, big rock that we had hauled up from the creek. And it was going to be like a cornerstone. And we needed to kind of shave a piece of this off. And, um, he grabbed the chisel, right? He grabbed the chisel, and I had the sledgehammer. <laughs> and he held it there, and I remember this was and, and suddenly, and he held it there, and he wanted me to hit it. And he had these spindly little arms, and he's holding this chisel, and I had to, you know, and I had this big heavy sledgehammer, and. Uh, <laughs> So he held it and I I hit it, but I can remember being really you know you know remembering Jesus you know what the, what's gonna what's gonna happen before I miss the chisel? These little spindly arms are on it. So that was that was kind of a a shocking experience, and I I remember also walking with him at Tassahara, and I don't know this is a so, I didn't understand what, what what was going on. We were walking together, and uh, it was down by where the old barn used to be.
0: Well, old barn's hill. still there.
1: Well, yeah, so, okay, but by the pool, there was a pool. I, I, you know, my, my memory is kind of fixed. It's a pool, and it was a big hill yeah. to the side. And it was this slag rock. It wasn't the kind of rock we were using at the right. You know, we were using river rock. And he points up the hill. I remember. He, so I don't remember if we were talking or anything. I was just walking with him, and he points up the hill, and he says, "Look up there! There's a rock that we can use. Let's get it." And this is completely. I didn't. I didn't understand what it was so. He starts going up there, and I start going up the hill. We're working up this hill, and the rocks are sliding behind, before us. And we wind up sliding down. Him, too. Him and me, we wind up sliding down. It was all kind of loose, yeah. He lost his zoris. And I picked up the Zorys, and I gave it to him. And he kind of laughed. And he left. I never understood. I never understood what that was all about. Was it supposed to be some kind of Zen experience or something? <laughs> it was completely. It was completely bewildering to me. I never understood. I never understood that. Um, I, I don't really remember a lot of what happened during the Dokusan's. I remember telling. I remember. I remember during a session, I went to him, and I I, I think I, I, I expressed I expressed some kind of remorse about something, and I also expressed some kind of some kind of uh, some kind of breakthrough or some kind of uh, experience that I had, and he was very he was very encouraging. He was very encouraging about that. Mm. Um, um, and I went back to Sashin and he mentioned he mentioned he mentioned it during he mentioned our, something about our conversation during the session. It was a session at the uh, Page Street, mm. and that was that was that was when I was really really deep into practice. And uh, it was a big jolt. It was a big it was a big jolt of enthusiasm, you know, of encouragement. Uh, for me, mm. uh, it was the same session that he gave. He he really gave a lot of uh, praise to uh, Jane, um, uh, Peter's wife. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um,
0: About what? I, 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 I
1: he just said that you know he just was praising her practice in front of everybody. He said you know something I don't remember. And I think it was the same sashi, Was it a sashi? I remember there was one time we were sitting, and you know he used to go, when he'd come down, he'd give everybody a, 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 a slap on the shoulder, or one slap on the shoulder. I remember one time he got really, really angry. He ran down and started hitting people, <laughs> hitting people, telling them, telling you that their practice was terrible or something like that. I remember that. that. Everybody was
0: kind of shocked. Do you remember
1: that? Yeah, well, no, that's traditional.
0: That's a thing called Sako where the teacher goes and uh, hits each person. uh, He would do it twice on uh, the right shoulder. Uh, Maybe he'd do both shoulders, uh, because with monks, you just do one shoulder, uh because the occasionally goes over the other. Uh, so he'd go down and and do everybody, sometimes with no, uh, not saying anything. But the time he got the most angry was when Mel hit the wake-up bell early in the city. And then everybody, and then uh, Mel went around saying, oh, that was a mistake, go back and then you know some people went to the zendo and stayed there and so suzuki chastised people that went back you know and oh, okay um, i didn't, I, don't, I don't i don't remember if that was if i might
1: have been there i don't remember the circumstances yeah. but i remember i remember that uh, i remember that experience and um was katagiri uh, i never i well during my junior year at, at the art Institute, I got busted in Yosemite for having pot. Mm. And I, they threw me into jail. They, they took me to, they took me to federal prison. They took me to not to prison, but you know, a, a, a federal jail in Fresno. Mm. And, um, uh, and they were terrible. You know, they said, oh, don't worry about it, kid. You know, you're going to have to spend a couple of years in jail and stuff like that. And this was during Thanksgiving. At, uh, and uh, so I went to jail. I, call, I didn't know who to call. I called up the Art Institute and told them I was in jail. They found a lawyer. They found a lawyer who got me out of jail and uh, you know, but that whole that whole uh, year, that whole year, I was, you know, I, I was going to go to trial in, in in spring, in the spring, and uh, that whole year, I was expecting to have to do jail time because the judge says, well, not the judge, but the lawyer said, well, you're going to probably have to go to do some jail time, but we don't go. Well, I'm going to put it off so we don't go. You know, so. <laughs> anyway, that I wound up not having to go to jail, but uh, by the skin of my teeth, and I got probation. But during that winter, I was expecting to go to jail, and uh, I, I remember, <laughs> I remember trying to get some insight about how I, how I could handle the situation. And I went to Gary to talk to him about it. Um, and he said, don't worry, it won't be, you just sit Zazen and everything will be okay. And I figured, you know, he doesn't really understand what I was thinking, <laughs> what's going on with me, that I'm going to have to do in jail. You know, because I kind of knew what, what being in prison would be like, sitting Zazen
0: wouldn't be that, that simple, simple task. Um, well, if it was federal... It was federal, right? So that would be a lot better. Yeah. But anyway, what happened was
1: um, I went to trial. I pleaded guilty. um, I didn't go to trial, you know, when when my hearing came before. and, And the lawyer came back and says, how do you want to plead guilty or not guilty to me? And I said, well, you know, I mean, I guess I have to plead guilty. I mean, you know, they, they caught me with this, with this stuff. And and he, he says, well, the, the prosecutor really wants you to do some time. He says, I want you to do some time in jail if you plead guilty. So I said, well, okay, well, the, the, you know, if I plead not guilty and go to trial, I'll have to do, they're going to find me guilty anyway. But anyway... I wound up going before the judge. I said, you know, they, I was I was an art student. I wound up so the, the lawyer kind of fixed it up where I would have an interview with the judge, and I brought a portfolio of my work. And the judge actually wound up he liked a couple of drawings. He wound up through my lawyer wound up with a couple of my drawings, um, and uh, they gave me probation instead of having to go to go to jail. And I wound up having. To, I wound up paying off some of my lawyer's fee. The lawyer spent his money more in San Francisco, so I painted him a a seascape of San Francisco with the Golden Gate Bridge effect. Oh, <laughs> ah, nice. Paid so, yeah, so that kind of that kind of worked out. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm uh, you know I'm not uh, uh, I'm not. I' give you the same stories that I gave you last time about uh, my experiences
0: well, but I don't remember what you gave me the last time when you told those other two, I remembered them, but until you refresh my memory uh and I, uh, anyway uh you know that's all good that's all good now uh look, we've been talking for almost two hours uh and you've uh, given us a pretty good picture of the uh, trajectory of your uh, way-seeking mind path. Um, do you have any? Do you have anything else? Anything else you'd like to say before we go our separate ways? Well, uh, just
1: uh, you know, just about it, David. I mean, I've always, uh, you know, I just want to express to everybody. I mean how much I appreciated the other, you know, the other people at Zen Center, yourself, Jane, I mentioned Jane and Peter and some of the, some of the advanced students at Zen Center. They were more teachers to me than, you know, I mean, Suzuki Roshi, of course, Gary Roshi, of course, but, uh, and, uh, and some of the, some of the people that I were, that I went to uh, that were young students then and, and the teachers and, 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 uh, have stayed with, uh, the practice and, mm. and, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, and how they've, they've developed themselves in their practice. Like I said earlier, it's given me a lot of, a lot of, uh, faith in, in, uh, when I started over 50-something years now.
2: Yeah,
0: that's good to hear. That's good to hear. You know, uh, um, I
1: also, uh, I'm I'm starting to realize there's not many of us around now that really had (laughs) personal contact with Suzuki Roshi.
0: Well, there's still some. There's still some. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. um, Hey, I I can tell you a, a memory. I went and met you when you were a projectionist in a, uh, <laughs> questionable establishment in the Tenderloin. <laughs> and we watched uh, one of your films and I remember we both liked it. We said, wow, that was really good. And then when you, you got, I was just meeting you there when you got off work, right? And we walked around and did some, you took me to this pool hall on market that was a real old fashioned pool hall with real billiards. And, uh, you know, snooker and pool. It had a zillion tables. It was on the second floor. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. uh, you were an incredibly good pool player. I mean, I don't know if yeah, I've I ever seen am. better. I
1: still am. Huh? I, I still am. That, that's one of the things I, you know, after, after that's that's one of the things that recently in the last few years I started I started uh, I started playing again, started playing uh, pool again because it's a it's a it's a uh, it's a great game. It's a really great game.
0: And you, I think we played uh, billiards, right?
1: With you know we, we could have played billiards. I played I play I played billiards. I played uh, uh, I played straight ball, escape pool. I played eight ball. Because when I was in Brooklyn, where I was, (laughs) where I was a kid, there was a pool hall right down the street where I used to hang out, and that's how I learned how to play pool. And when I was when I was really young, yeah, and it's helped me out. I've had to, you know, here is a story for you. I was traveling cross country. Uh, This is before Zen Center days. I was nineteen, I think. I had bought a Packard for about seventy-five dollars in San Francisco, and it was. I was going back to New York and I was driving cross country. I didn't have enough money to get cross country because I got thrown in jail in Texas. Where? Where? Um, Where was it? Well, it was it was West Abilene because.
0: Uh-huh. There's nothing west I of Abilene. Have, I, did, I,
1: I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I, it was in the middle of nowhere. I didn't have any taillights on my on my Packard, so I bought some flashlights and I taped them on my bumper. And uh, I was driving from El Paso. I knew a woman in El Paso when I stopped and picked up some dope there. And, and uh, I was, I don't remember, kind of so long ago. And, uh, anyway it was the middle of the night and the cop pulled me over it was nowhere I was nowhere and uh, it, I had to follow him to some woman's out in the middle of nowhere and it was a house go to the house and it was a woman judge and she had to put a robe on they came in and they you know they cited me for not for not having taillights on the car and they took all my money I think it was less than a hundred bucks. They took it all. They said it was 200 bucks. I said, well, I don't have 200 bucks. They took all my money. So I had no money and I had enough gas to get to Abilene. And then I had to, in Abilene, there was a, a, a place in Abilene. I, I, I was expecting this Western town that I had read about and stuff like that. There was like nowhere. There was nothing in Abilene.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: But they had a big, they had a big, uh, there was some place there where you could spend a quarter. It was a quarter and you could get a bed.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And for 50 cents, for 50 cents, it was a big warehouse or something. A lot of transients and people. And for 50 cents, you could uh, get a bed with a partition. Mm. Anyway, that's, I spent the first night there and then I'm walking around. I didn't have hardly any money. I scrounged around the car for change. I had some change. And uh, I walked into a, uh, you know, I walked into a bar. And uh, and they had some pool tables there. And there's some guy, you know, guy shooting pool. Anyway, to make a long story short, I hung out in Abilene for about three or four days. And I was hustling pool at this pool room, and I made enough money. We weren't playing for a lot of money, but uh, I managed to hustle about 40 or 50 bucks, 60 bucks. I can't remember exactly because I spent some money on food. And I got enough money to get me to Anniston, Alabama, where I had a distant cousin who helped me out to get back to New York. But uh, anyway, so my my, my pool... My pool playing
0: bass came in handy. Yeah. <laughs> in handy. That I'm sounds not, good. And
1: that's it.
0: When you say you hustled did you misrepresent yeah, well, <laughs> how how good you were at first and then get better when you yeah, played? Well
1: yeah, well, you know, you play. Some guys say you wanna play I say, Well, yeah, sure, you know, I play and and uh first you play for, you know not much, for for a beer or something like that. And, And uh, so I had to win a game. I won a couple of games, and uh, for not much, for maybe a beer or something like that. And then enough so I could start losing. So then I would start losing a little bit. And then you know you win. I'm, I'm just staying even. And then some other people get interested. And then if I made a little bit of money, then you had to, you know, you had to lose enough to keep people interested, but keep them peaked and then when the when the money would start getting a little bigger you had to start you know you'd win you know and then when the money would and then you know and then people will get they get a little uh, you know how it is when you, you, you they get close to winning but then you lose so then they want to spend a little more money they want to get their money back and then you know, you, so you wind up winning. And maybe the first night I won five or six bucks or seven or eight bucks, and then I'd leave. You know, you can't just be there because eventually, if you show people what you can do, they're not going to play with you. You know, you got to, you you got to, you got to. Uh, and sometimes you might lose legitimately, but these guys weren't nearly. You know, and, and they were drinking, and they would they were just bar pool players. They weren't. I mean. Even even though my, my game wasn't really that great at that point because I hadn't played for a while, I mean, I, I mean, I watched some of the greatest pool players in the world play in New York City. I watched, I saw Willie Moscone.
0: Oh, goodness. You know,
1: playing games.
0: Wow. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I don't know if
0: you know who he is. Well, of course I know who, who Willie player. Moscone is. Yeah. Was. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, well. Uh, I used to, you know, I I watched them play a few They were demonstration games, but I watched them run 125, 130 balls, stuff like that, in demonstrations. And there were guys who were, you know, where I was playing, I wasn't even in their class. I mean, you know, they they were playing $100, $500 games. These guys were, I mean, and I'm in a pool room playing for like 50 cents and $2 and eventually maybe five bucks, you know? it's uh but if you didn't have any money it was a lot of money you know you couldn't uh and there were some times when i had to win or uh, because i didn't have the money to pay if i didn't lose if i lost you know what i mean mm-hmm. so 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 it, it, so on my on my small level it was a big deal you know i mean you know, there were a bunch of tough guys and uh you don't have money to pay if you lose you know you the uh, the pressure is even even if it's only 10 bucks, if you don't have the 10 bucks in your pocket, what are you gonna You know, what happens if you lose? What are you gonna do? You know, you're gonna get your ass kicked, yeah, for the most part, yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, uh, yeah, my my misguided youth, well, yeah, kind of saved me a few times,
0: yeah. Well, I just wanted to bring that up because, like I said, um, uh, you. Uh, I, you—you you obviously had a great aptitude. My best friend had a really good aptitude. I didn't. I would never get better. I just wasn't a good pool player. Uh and uh, he was really good. Uh, uh but he didn't follow it oh, up. I didn't
1: know you. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I just read. I just read a good story. Uh, I don't know if uh, by uh, Jim. Um, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm kind of losing my uh, mind. There's an author by the name of uh, Jim Harrison.
0: Oh yeah, sure. He, he was into Zen. Okay, and one he, of, he liked Cobenino.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, in in one of in one of his books, it's called Just Before Dark. It's uh, it's a lot of uh, it's not a it's not a fictional book. It's one of his. Not, he writes in one of his books. If you ever uh, pick it up, in the book just before dark, there's a story of his called Bar Pool, where he talks about uh, about playing pool in bars and stuff like that. Mm. Kind of interesting. I just, just read it lately.
2: Mm. But uh, yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, it's been really nice. It's been really nice going down memory lane with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, David, and uh, and I really appreciate what you've been doing. I think it's really great. It's funny the paths we we go on in life.
0: Yeah, well, it keeps me out of trouble. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, ah, okay. Well, that's really good. I was, I was, I'm really happy we finally connected. And
1: yeah, likewise, David.
0: All right. Well, um, may your health improve and you live long thanks david uh well really good talking with you jake thanks a lot likewise david okay you take good care you too all right okay bye-bye bye-bye so thanks a lot jake jacob fishman appreciate it really good talking with you uh i wish you uh the best health and happiness and uh, until we meet again. This is D.C. Puba of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives coming to you from Sleepy Sanur with Dogget Bandita, Feline Cuchita, and dear lovely Katrinka. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening
2: mm mm-hmm.